0: Okay, repeat after me. Are you ready? Repeat after me. Sometimes I say dumb stuff. Anybody just want to testify and say, yep, that's me. Now, how, now, now how many of you are sitting next to someone that says dumb stuff from time to time? Now, no elbows. Don't, don't rib wives. Don't, don't get anybody. Yeah, that, I'm just going to confess. Sometimes, sometimes that's me. And this morning, that's what we want to help you with. Um, I saw this uh, a few years ago. Anybody watch Shark Tank? we have any Shark Tank fans in here? It comes on Sunday nights. I just think it's a fascinating show as people pitch their ideas and get people to invest. But a few years ago, um, a a guy came on selling this. I know you can't read it very well from the way it's written, but it's called Pavlock. Anybody heard of Pavlock? Pavlock is a device that you wear around your wrist that's supposed to help you with creating positive, good habits with negative reinforcements. Now, how many of you have ever heard of like Pavlov, you know, from your psychology days? You know, so Pavlov had this theory and proved that you can, you know, that, that, that positive and negative reinforcements, you know, can train people and animals and dogs. And so every time they'd ring a bell, the dog would like saliva and, you know, and so, and, but this is that, that, I, is that right? Is that Pavlov that did that? I'm getting some blank stares. Yeah, I, I thought that's what it was. And, and so, so this device is something that you wear that you have a little, looks like a little key fob, like your car, that any time you're going to do something, a habit that you're trying to break, you you punch it and it buzzes and shocks you on the wrist. How crazy is that? I mean, th- 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 so there were some testimonials on their website, Pavlok, P-A-V-L-O-K, where this person is saying, look, I, I have an addiction to sweets, And so, so there's a little YouTube video where he's talking about how, you know, every time he wanted to eat a cookie, he would just zap himself and put the cookie down. And he's like, now I don't want cookies anymore. And I've lost 30 pounds. And, you know, and it's crazy. Now, if that was me, I would just be like, you know, like all day long zapping myself. Now, there was another person that said, you know, I quit smoking using Pavlock or I quit, tw-, you know, sometimes girls twist their hair, you know, when they're anxious or just not doing anything. And she said, I stopped twisting my hair by shocking myself. How great would this be? Or how, now that's, it's kind of a cool idea for $199, you can get one of these, by the way, a little Pavlock Fitbit, you know, looking thing. But how great would it be if, if not, did we have buzzers for ourselves, but if we had buzzers for every uh, other people? And every time they said something dumb, you'd be like, bzz, bzz, bzz. I mean, some of us would just be walking around like this, just twitching all over the place because we would just be turning into a ball of energy because we're constantly being shocked. The guy who invented this came up with the idea because he, was, he said he was addicted to social media. And so he literally hired somebody I guess he just had a lot of money to blow because he hired somebody to stay with him and to work with him. And every time they saw him pick up his phone and get on Facebook, they would slap him across the face. Now, how many of you say, I would do that for free? Like if I'm willing, I'm willing to sacrifice and be that person to slap somebody into a positive or to out of a negative habit. It's crazy to think about. But here's the truth. It could probably help some of us. If we had that little shock to say, hey, what's coming out of your mouth may not be a good thing, that may not be such a bad device to have to keep us from saying some things that hurt the people around us. Right? It's just true. Sometimes sometimes we need a little bit of help in saying and doing the right things with the people that God has put in our lives. And that's what this series is all about. This series us, is about this. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said this, and he said the second is just like the first. In another translation, the second is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. Now what I'm beginning to believe and what I understand in this message is that God really cares about how we treat each other. And that's what this series is about, is is how do we treat each other well? If if Jesus says that the second greatest commandment is the way that we love the people that God has placed in our worlds, then maybe we need need to get a little bit better at it. Because here's the truth, is we're not always good at it. We might need need a little bit of help. And that's what we're talking about today, is how do we... How do we align ourselves with other people so that we don't alienate them from our lives? i put a definition in a few notes. If If you're a note taker, pull those out. If not, you can read from the screen above me. The definition of alignment is this. It means choosing the action or response that a person most emotionally needs in that moment. Now, what does that look like? Looks like this. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone that you're talking to is just being emotional? Now, it, 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 something is going on in the world and they're being emotional and you can tell that as you're talking to them, you're just making matters worse. Anybody ever been there before? Fellas, every single one of you should be raising your hands because we've all been there before where, where we're trying to say the right thing. But in that moment, we're just making it worse because we're not getting there. We're not aligning ourselves with that other person. Look at this verse. Are you ready? This is Romans chapter 12, verse 15. This is Paul talking. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Another version says, weep with those who weep. Now, it seems so simple, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep or mourn with those who mourn. But here's the deal, is that oftentimes we do it backwards. Oftentimes we do it backwards. It's like that kid who comes home and, 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 and they, they're all pumped and they're all excited, you know, because they made the game-winning shot or they got an A on the test or, or, or something happened. And, and, and we just say, you know what, I don't want you to get a big head. You know, and so, so we don't celebrate with them. We just say, hey, we just need to stay humble about this. You got a 92. Well, why didn't you get a 98? You can do better than that. You know, and, and so, so we, so we kind of rain on their parade because we're afraid of, of letting them have a big head. Or another thing that happens often in the church on this side of mourning with those who mourn. Have you ever been in one of those situations where someone is just, is just crying or, or weeping and, and they have some sort of loss going on in their life, whether it's a, you know, a, a spouse or a job or even a pet or a dog or whatever, and it's really emotional to them? And sometimes we get ourselves in that situation. We're like, we don't know what to do. And so we put our arms around them when we say something like this. It's going to be okay. Don't, don't cry. It's going to be okay. Don't cry. But the scripture says, mourn with those who mourn. No, cry. Crying is God's way of us that he gave us for getting out our pain. And sometimes we stifle that because we just don't know what to say and we just don't know what to do. And when we do that, we stifle that person's spirit. Now, the scripture says that when someone's mourning, when someone's crying, when someone's weeping, we weep with them. And and sometimes in the church, we put off this idea that it's actually unspiritual to weep. Have you ever been at a funeral and, and people are like, oh, he's in a better place. There's no reason to be sad. It's like, oh, come on. Come on. I mean, even Jesus cried at the funeral of a good friend. It's okay to weep. It's okay to be sad. It's okay. We don't have to spiritualize things. The scripture actually says to mourn with those who mourn. We need to put ourselves in a position where others, other people feel like we get them. This person gets me. I love this verse. I put this verse in your notes. I actually want you to read it with me because it's a good one. It's Proverbs twenty-five twenty. Are you ready? It's in the bottom of your notes so you can read it on the screen. It says, Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like ta- taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. Now think about what that's saying. It's very descriptive. Singing cheerful songs to someone who's sad he says it's like taking someone's coat when they're cold. Or, or you know that saying, pouring salt on a wound? You don't want to do that. I mean, that hurts. So it's like pouring vinegar on a wound. It just makes them feel worse. So how do we know if we're doing this or not? How do we know if we're aligning ourselves with the people around us? I just put a little respond. When you respond in the right way, this is how you know that you're doing it right. Are you ready? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, but here's just a couple examples. One, people feel cared about and valued. When you do alignment right, the people around you, they just feel cared about. They feel valued. People feel heard and understood. They they know that you're hearing them, and not that just you're hearing the words, but that you understand where they're coming from. When you're doing it right, people experience comfort and encouragement. People experience healing when you do alignment right. People feel free to let go of their anger and frustration. Now, here's the deal. When we do it, when we don't do it right, this is what happens. We make angry people even more angry. We make frustrated people even more frustrated. You see, when God created man, are you ready? When God created man, all the way in the beginning in Genesis, he created this world, and over and over again he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then God created man, right? And then he noticed that man was alone, and he said this, it is not good for man to be alone, right? Because we need each other. God created us with a void, with a with a need for community and connection. So here's the litmus test. If you're doing alignment right, this is the best litmus litmus test that you can take. Do the people in your world feel more or less alone because you are with them? Now, because you can be in the same room with somebody and still feel alone, right? But do the people that God has put in your world feel more or less alone because you're with them? Think about the engagements that you've had this last week or last month. Did those people feel better? Did they feel happier? Did they feel understood? Did they feel comfort? Did they feel healing because you were with them? Or did they feel worse? Listen, there are times in my life where I've been with people and I know that they're trying to make me feel better. But the only thing that they're making me feel is that I wish they weren't in the room with me. Anybody ever been there before? It's like, it's like those people that we have in our lives that light up a room when they leave. Like everybody's like, oh, thank goodness, they're gone. I don't have to deal with that person anymore. The challenge is, is that how do we get better at this alignment so that the people in our lives feel connected to and don't feel alone? Here's, it's, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because here's a few thoughts. Are you ready? The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this with me. Be proactive with alignment. If you want to get good at it, if you want to make people feel heard and understood and loved, then be proactive with it. How many of you have someone in your life that you just love to be around? Anybody? Only two of us. Three. Okay, there's a few more. Thank you. I'm so glad that you have somebody in your life that you love to be around. There are those people that, that you feel better When you're in the room with them, for whatever reason, you have those people where you feel lighter and you feel good about yourself and you feel happy. It's it's that surprise moment when you walk into a gas station or you walk into a grocery store and you go to the checkout line and the person that you're working with says, good morning, I am so glad you're here. Is there anything that I can help you with? It's that type of person that shocks us with a great attitude. You know what I'm talking about? When you're like buying something and that person has that wonderful, you just want to hand them your money. You're just like, oh man, you make me feel better. Here, I'll buy three instead of two. It's that type of person, that type of feeling. It's that waitress that 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 even though they've been on their feet all day and they're exhausted, that in that moment that they're serving you, they go out of their way to make you feel cared for. Have you ever had one of those? I hope so. I've had some for a time or two. It's that. It's that proactive person. Here's the thing about this positive attitude, this this seeking to make people around you feel better, that, that of all the people in the world that should be good at this, it should be followers of Jesus. That we are the ones that people should be around and just say, man, I just feel better about myself when I'm around this person. Here's the problem, is that a lot of Christians don't make people feel that way. For some reason, we are, as followers of Jesus, are known more for what we're against than what we're for. When, when you ask people who aren't followers of Jesus, what is a Christian all about? They think of protests and they think of things that we don't like and that we hate and that we're, that we're angry about. And, and that's not what we should be known for. We should be people that, that, that draw people in and experience love and grace and, and, and that, that people want to cling to and be around because of our positive attitude. Why? Why is that? Well, because we get this world and we get heaven too. I mean, we should be happy. We should be joyful. We should draw people in and align with our spirits and our spirits align with theirs. It's that it's that service company, have you ever had a product that just bails on you and, and you just like, you know what, I got to do something about this and so you call them on the phone and, 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 and if you start the conversation call with like, hey, I got a problem and you're going to solve it, all right, I'm not getting up, you're going to take care of this stuff, hey, thank you, I appreciate you doing that. Um, let's just say that you don't get very far with that. But if you're one of those people that, that even you're frustrated and you call and you say, hey, you know, I, I love your product, I love your service, I've been so satisfied, but I've had a problem recently. Is there any way that you can help me figure out how we can adjust this thing? I'm telling you, that type of spirit goes a whole lot further than being angry on the phone. If, if you just want to try it out sometime. Just this last week, Haley and I had to make a telephone call for, for one of her student loans, oh my gosh, that we're still paying off. You know, it's just like, it's going to be around with us. We've named that kid. You know, it's a part of the family. And uh, her name's Sally. She, Sally May. And, and she just hangs out with us all the time. And... um and so we're in this this repayment thing and and it's always a frustration if you don't know paying student loans is it's always something's always getting messed up and screwed up and you're always having to fix stuff and and so I called this person and I said, "You know what? Baby, I I'm I'm really going to go out of my way to be just 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 this is it. I'm I'm going to practice what I preach." And the whole time I'm on the phone with this person, I could tell that they're already on the defense. I mean, cuz they're customer service. They're getting people yelling at them about student loans all the time. And I'm just being the complete opposite hey, I just just need a, a quick question. We're trying to figure out this application online. Could you walk me through this process? And, and as we were talking, she was trying to help us out, and, and she's like, you know, I don't have the answer to your problem, but I do want to tell you this, that you don't want to go this route. Because if you go this route, then they're going to get a specialist involved and then they're going to start digging into all this stuff. And you just want to leave that all alone because that might hurt you in the end. This is what you want to do to go forward. And and my thought was is that she didn't have to go out of her way to help me. Like, she just could have said, hey, I'm not the person. You called this person and they're going to figure it out, but it may not work to your advantage. And so you're just, she could have just sent us down that road and got us land blasted. But instead she said, hey, let me work with you. Let me help you figure this out. Let's, I don't, I can't solve your problem, but I can, I can get you to the right person that will do something favorable for you instead of hitting you upside the head. Does that make sense? And it was just all those moments. And I thought that my attitude starting out with this probably was the difference in being able to connect with this person and get what I want or what she needed in that situation. Teachers, those people that work, you know, with teenagers and children in schools and private schools or charter schools or, or have kids. This is so important for us. I saw this video this week. It really blew me away. I had to show it with you because this vice principal, he gets it. John, will you will you play that video? Community Matters, an assistant principal in Conway is making the start of the school day a little easier for parents and students alike. KRK4's Aaron Nolan introduces us to Gary Logan and his philosophy of every day being a good day. Brake lights, orange cones, and traffic jams. Three workday problems promoting frustration. And that's the norm for many parents as they drop their kids off at schools around central Arkansas. But with a daily song, I've been searching my whole life to find my own And an occasional jig. Well, I see He is just a larger than life character. An assistant principal at Woodrow Elementary in Conway is hoping to change frustration into elation. They had a rough morning. They didn't want to eat their breakfast. So we try to make them smile and laugh. And if the students cutting a rug before the bell rings is any indication, this morning musical drop off is working. (laughs) Kids have fallen in love with the idea. Like they like to they love that whipping nay nay and they want me to play it every day and they want to dance every day. Just lifts everybody's spirits. It just makes us have a great start to our day. Wow. And I think the parents just so appreciate the family feel. And so each and every school day morning, Mr. Logan will continue his tunes. It makes their day and it makes mine to see them smiling and happy and they want to give out hugs in the morning, they want a high five in the morning. Because after all, when you see a dancing and singing assistant principal, there's really only one option. Smile. I don't I don't do bad days. Every day's a good day. In Conway, I'm Aaron Nolan. That is a lot of fun. That'd be fun just to drive through the line and see him. Logan is in his second year at Woodrow Elementary. Right, you can end yes, it right there. Now, that is awesome. I mean, for those parents that have to do the drop-off and pick-up line, yeah, I know it's like a dreadful place. But that type of moment, you know, next week, y'all going to come in, and I'm going to be doing the whip and the nay-nay in church. And, and it's just fun stuff. And it's, it's connecting people's hearts with our hearts. I, I put this little thought in your notes. Are you ready? Set the right tone with people and they will want to align with you. They'll want to connect with you. Scripture, look at Acts 4.36. It says, for instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. Are you ready? Which means son of encouragement. What a great nickname. What if if we were that type of person? And they say, you know what? That person, that's Barnabas. I'm going to start calling you encourager because that's what you are. You bring life and joy to people. All right, here's a second thought. Are you ready? To connect with them, if you want to do alignment right, to connect with them, you'll sometimes have to die to yourself. To connect with them, you'll sometimes have to die to yourself. Here's here's the truth. This is a tough one. That there are times in order to align with somebody, with another person, you have to kill part of you in that moment. Look what Jesus said. John 17, 33, he says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. And if you let your life go, if you die to yourself, you'll save it. There are times we just have to die. We can't make it all about us in every moment. If you do, if you make your life all about you, guess what you're going to do? you are going to push away and alienate the people that God's put in your life, right? And so we have to put ourselves aside. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, and 5. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I want to read that part again because I feel like I lost it. Hear, hear, Hear it. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In the moments when you really need to do it, in those moments when you really need to do it, what does that look like? What are some of those moments that we have to lay aside ourselves to help other people? Are you ready? Here's one. When someone's being emotional about something that's not a big deal to you, that's when you have to die to yourself. When they're being emotional about something that's just not a big deal to you, my wife, God bless her, she's good at this. Listen, I, you guys know this about me. I'm I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, and um when when Dallas when football season is going on, um it I, I get emotionally invested into the process of losing. And sometimes winning with the with the Dallas Cowboys, and and for me it, it used to be worse. But but when they would lose, I mean, I would just tank. It would just get me. And and Haley, God bless her. She's just that person. Like oh, oh baby, I'm I'm so sorry. Yes, those Dallas Cowboys, they stunk today. You are you are their biggest. Fan And and they don't know what they have in you. I mean, they're they're ridiculous, but she makes, she knows that it bothers me. And she's so sorry because she knows that it bothers me. It may not be a big deal, but you are a big deal to me. And so it's a big deal to me. Does that make sense? It's when we make things that aren't a big deal to us, a big deal because it's a big deal to them emotionally connect. Here's a second time. Are you ready? It's, it's when, it's when we're tired. Here's, here's what it looks like. You come home from work and they've beat you home. You walk in and you can tell that they're exhausted and they're saying, and you say, Hey, how was your day? And they just go, Oh, the kids were this way. This happened at work. My boss is ridiculous. And, and they're just going and going and going. And in your head, you're thinking this, You think your day was bad? Let me tell you about my day. Yeah, 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 that happened to you, but I had an even worse day. Now, what happens if we just say, yeah, 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 but my day was dot, dot, dot? You lose connection. You lose the the ability to align with them in that moment. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what? Babe, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry your day was bad. So sorry your day was hard. Man, I'm hoping that tomorrow will be better. You have to die to yourself. Someone has to be willing to die first in that moment because both of you can't make it all about you. So when we're tired and we have both had that hard day, someone has to say, you know what? I'm going to put aside my hard day so that I can help you through your hard day and then we can come back to my hard day a little bit later because you're worth it and I want to connect with you. Does that make sense? Here's a third one. Are you ready? When we're actually happy about what happened. Now they're upset. Something has happened and we're happy about it. But sometimes we have to die to ourselves in that moment. It's like this. Are you ready? Wives, it's that shirt, that old shirt that your husband has been holding on to and wearing and it's grungy, and it's gray, and you're just like, man, I wish that thing would just disappear, and then one day it does disappear, and he can't find it, and he's bummed out. And in the back of your head, you're thinking, woohoo, that sorry thing is gone. I never have to see it again. But you can't say that, because he's upset about it. Or parents, how many of you have had a kid in the dating age who started dating somebody that you didn't like? And you thought, you know what? This guy is a dope and then one day that dope breaks up with your daughter. And you're just like, yes, that joker is gone. Now you can't go, yes, that joker is gone. You have to put your arm around him. You have to say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yes, that stinks. And then you walk into your bedroom. You turn on the music and you go, and I'm a whip, and I'm a nene. Because you're punk, you're dancing, but you can't dance in front of them. You have to die to yourself. You have to emotionally respond to them in that moment. You can have your own dance party later because the dope is gone. But in that moment, you have to hurt for them because they're hurting too. Does this make sense? We have to put our needs aside in that moment so that we can tend to their needs. This is what it means to die to yourself. I put this in your notes. Such a good thought. To meet the needs of someone else, you have to momentarily let go of your own. Now, a big word that you might want to circle is momentarily because you get to come back to it later but in that moment you have to let go of your own here's a third right here's a third thing if you want to align with other people don't try to fix it just feel it how many of you have ever made the mistake of trying to fix something that somebody didn't want fixed they were just trying to tell you about a problem they were having every most guys should be raising their hands this is me this is, I struggle with this. Haley will come home from work, and I'll just say, hey, babe, how was your day? And she said, let me tell you about dot, dot, dot. And she'll start telling me about what's going on and how frustrating it is and how exhausting it is with this client. Well, she doesn't tell me the client's names because that would be unethical. But about the situations, and, and I'll just say, well, babe, this is what you ought to do. You need to do this. You need to say this to this employee and this coworker, and you need to do this, and you need to write them up in this way, and you need to call a meeting and tell all your people if they don't shape up, they can ship out. and And and, and she's just like, "Are you kidding me? Will you just shut your mouth? I didn't tell you these things so that you can give me a, a sermon on all the f- steps that I need to do to fix all the people that I'm working with. I just wanted to tell you that I was having a bad day, right?" Sometimes we don't, we don't have to fix it. We just need to feel it. They need to be able to voice their emotion and have us receive it and just shut our mouths and just take it in for now. Sometimes we try to fix things that they just want us to hear so that we can understand. Job and his friends. If you remember the story of Job, Job, the, the enemy... The devil asked God if he could sift Job like wheat. And so he did. He lost his family. And he lost his crops. and He lost his home. Burnt down. The cattle were dead. He had sores all over his body. and He lost it all. In Job chapter 2, it says, When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. This is the good part. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Now, Job's friends didn't always get it right, but in this moment they did. They sat down next to their friend, and they didn't open their yappers, and they put their arm around them, and they said, Hey, I'm here. We're here don't try to fix it. If you want to align with other people, don't try to fix it. Just feel it. Just feel it. Here's a last thought. Are you ready? This is an important one. Probably the most important. Be as gracious with others as God is with you. If you want to align with other people, then be as gracious with others as God is with you. One of the times that people most need your alignment with them is when they've failed you or they've wronged you or they've disappointed you or they've done something that they knew has upset you or they broke something that you cherished. When people feel the shame of that moment and and, and sometimes we confront them and we get all riled up and they're feeling shame and, and, and we seize that moment and we just say, are you stupid? What were you thinking doing that? And you did this, and you broke this, and you wrecked this. And it's like, no, 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 stop. We do this with our kids. What's wrong with you? You're acting just like your father. You take that shame, and you multiply it. Their heart is already broken. They already feel the moment. And we take that heart, and we put it in our hands, and we just mash it up real good. You feel bad? Let me show you what feeling bad feels like. We miss an opportunity to bring healing. Now the question I have is, is that what God does to us? No. No. He takes our broken hearts. He heals them. He soothes them. He brings hope. He brings healing. Sometimes, for some reason, we feel the freedom to vent the full extent of our anger and frustration with the people that we love when all they need is understanding and compassion. Look what Paul wrote. Now, this is going to be convicting to some of us, and it should. It's Colossians 3, 12, and 13. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, you might want to circle those two words, you must clothe yourselves, are you ready? With tender-hearted mercy. With kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Now, for some reason, all those words remind me of things that that we need when someone's done something wrong, right? We need mercy, tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Are you ready? Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Now, we might need to circle those words too. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must, circle, underline, star, whatever you have to do to get your attention, you must forgive others. Ah, Paul, what are you talking about? No, you must. Okay. A friend of mine told a story in a sermon about a pastor who was talking about a friend of his um, that, that had a BMW, an old classic BMW that he had restored. It was a car that he had rebuilt um, he, you know, needed a lot of work on it, and he found the parts and ordered them in and then rebuilt some of the parts in the engine, and, and it was just like his labor of love. You guys know that labor of love of rebuilding a car. Maybe some of you ladies do, too. I have no idea. I know I don't stay away from those things. It took years for him to finish. He got it all nice and beautiful and all the things rebuilt and all the dings and dents, you know, hammered out and looking beautiful and Then he got it all painted and I mean, it was just the gym. He hardly ever drove the thing. It was so, it was like that, that once a month weekend driver when you're driving. It was up in the Northwest, like Seattle area. And when the weather's really good and you could cruise with the windows down and, and just really enjoy the outdoors, you know, he says that it was one of those special occasion cars and ones that you would take to the car show and line up, you know, and everybody ooh and aah over how beautiful it was. He didn't hardly ever drive it, and he never, rarely, ever let someone else drive it. But his wife, Lori, asked him one day, can I drive the car? She had an appointment downtown with a client. She really wanted to impress him. She's like, I, I got to drive that car. And She was all dressed up in her suit. and She's like, how cool would that be to pull up in this beautiful car and take this person around to the appointments they had to do? And I think she was a realtor or something, and just wanted it to be one of those moments, and he was like, all right, I guess you can drive the car. Gave the keys. And she took off downtown. She found herself in the left lane, face in two lanes, in the left lane, you know, coming with two lanes on the other side, and no barricade in the middle. And and as she was driving, um, the car that was in the other lane just started drifting into her lane. Um, like it was on a s- cell phone or something. And, and as she saw the car drifting into her lane, her first reaction was just to, changed lanes really fast. And she changed lanes really fast without looking. And there was a huge truck next to her that she slammed the side of the classic BMW into and just, just both cars to a complete stop. And it was mangled. She, she put her head down. She knew like, Oh my gosh. She thought back to all the times where her husband said, you know, Lori, you're not a very aware driver. You drive too fast. You you don't always signal. You, you get distracted with your phone and all this stuff. And she said, as she sat there, the shame just started. Just, oh, she felt terrible. She felt awful. Her husband's prized BMW crumpled. He's going to be so disappointed. She felt terrible. The police officer. Luckily, nobody was hurt. And she was standing in the back of the car. And the police officer came up and. Asked for her driver's license and registration. and So she went up to the glove box and she opened it. And there was an envelope with the registration and the, um, the insurance information stuck in it. And there was also a note. I want to read to you what the note said. It said, Dear Lori, if you're reading this, and then you've likely had an accident, don't worry. I trust this means that you're all right. And that's what really matters to me. Don't worry about the car. It's only rubber, metal, plastic. You are what really matters to me. You're my treasure. I love you, James. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's alignment. How many of you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in that moment, Lori felt better? She'd already been forgiven before she ever had an accident. What she thought was that her husband's most prized possession, she wasn't even close to being right. She was. That thing didn't matter. She's all that mattered. Here's what I want you to understand. Is it just like James extended his love and that note of grace to his wife before she ever needed it? God has given us his grace to us before we even knew that we needed it and before we ever understood that we failed him. He's there with his arms wide open. And just like God made this grace available to us before we even needed it, so we can align ourselves with other people and show them grace before they even realized they needed it and extend it to them. Repeat after me. Are you ready? Sometimes I say dumb stuff, and Lord, help me to stop.